Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We are here. It's week one, and I am joined by a special guest today. He is Brian Beversluice of Cat Scratch Reader. His Twitter handle is not what's listed there. It's Brian at Brian B C S R. He is the social media manager over for Cat Scratch Reader as well as a contributor there. Brian, it's been a while, but we're finally back to some real football. How are you doing? I am just so excited for the preseason to be over. It's such a terrible time when you're with dealing with a team that's that's developing and rebuilding and stuff like that. Everybody is just sad all the time for some reason in the preseason, even though it doesn't matter. So Yeah. Well, it reminded me of the Falcons the last couple of years where the starters were like passable typically, but as soon as you got past the starting group, it was a disaster. And it seems like that's what you guys went through, which is just like as soon as the starters left the field, it became a basically unwatchable mess, which just nobody enjoys that. You know, it, it's, it doesn't teach the other team anything. It doesn't teach you anything. It's just kind of depressing all around. So, Yeah, it's well, part of it was that Frank Reich was pretty adamant early on that he wasn't going to show anything they'd really do in the regular season. So that was part of it. And they were very coy with anybody who had injuries like miles sanders didn't play at all so but yeah when you're trying to cover the team and enjoy the game and you just see all these negative comments about how bad the the backups are it makes it makes it difficult to yeah. uh enjoy the game so it's not yeah. fun for anyone but we're moving on from that it's week one so we're we're going to be breaking down the falcons first panthers matchup guys on today's game preview the first one of the season before we get to that, do want to bring you a quick word from our sponsors. All right, folks, we've got a new ad read for you here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. As you can see from all of our wonderful branding that we've got for this segment, uh, our new sponsor is Prize Picks. For those that don't know, Prize Picks is a skill-based daily fantasy game where you pick two to six players and decide if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. The more players you pick, the more you can win all the way up to 25 times your money on any entry. At Prize Picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize Picks also has a generous promotion schedule, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. So make sure to keep your eyes open there. It's not just the NFL, however. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football and basketball, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and many, many more. Prize Picks entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and they offer fast withdrawals. It's that easy. And also, guys, all first-time users that deposit and use our unique promo code DBB, as you can see down there in the corner for Dirty Birds and Broods, right? Uh, you will receive an, a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit 100 depo uh, prize picks, we'll give you $100. If you deposit 50 prize picks, we'll give you 50. Remember, make sure to use our promo code DBB because that helps us out, lets them know that they uh, they found prize picks through us. So we really appreciate that, guys. And also, notably, since prize picks is a daily fantasy game, it's available in 31 states, Washington, D.C., and most of Canada. You can consult the map here to find out for sure if your state is allowed. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like California, Florida, Texas, Georgia, notably Georgia, right? And over 70% of the U.S. 
So check that out, guys. Leave that up for just a second so you can see it. Uh, yeah, but to show you how it works, let me show you my picks for this week. Uh, feel free to borrow them if, if you like what I'm saying here. Um, but yeah, so right. So the first, I'm going to go with three picks. You can have between two to six, like I said. Uh, I'm going to go with the promotional player this week, who is Dak Prescott. His more or less number is obviously sort of a layup, right? A half yard passing. Obviously, you will want to go more on that one. It's basically like a free square. So that that helps out in a big way there. Uh, and then I'm going to go with two Falcons here. I, I may not go with Falcons every week, depending on if I like the numbers or not. But let's start things off with Kyle Pitts. I'm going to go more than 37 and a half receiving yards. Obviously, this number's got a lot riding on the fact that people believe the Falcons will be run heavy, that Kyle Pitts numbers last year weren't that great, right? Well, I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be one of the most targeted players in this offense and 37 and a half receiving yards for a deep threat like Pitts. That could be one pass. Uh, but I think Pitts is going to be heavily involved early and often in this game. I think he's going to continue to get targeted a lot. And I think the Panthers are probably going to dedicate most of their attention to Drake London, which is why I went with Pitts, who has a lower number than Drake London. I believe Drake London's number, if you're interested in London, uh, is like 51 and a half. So I think this is pretty achievable for Pitts. I like that one a lot. And then I'm going to go with some kicker love. Kickers are available in this as well. Going to go with Youngway Koo here with more than six and a half fantasy points. So for kickers, that's roughly two field goals. Uh, as long as one of those field goals is 40 or more yards. That's something that Koo did almost every week. Uh, and the nice thing about going with the fantasy points as opposed to, to as opposed to like uh, field goals made or whatever, which is typically an option as well, is that fantasy points include extra points made. So if the offense is just having a great day and they're scoring a lot of touchdowns, that can get you over this, uh, get you more than this number, right? With just extra points and a field goal here or there. So I like that it's a little bit more flexible. Um, so I'm going with these three guys, including the free square. And as you can see, you have two choices, uh, when you do these picks. So one is the power play, which is you have to hit all of them, but it gives you a bigger, uh, win basically. So right now with, with three guys, that would be five times, whatever your entry is. You can also go with the flex play. If you're a, a little bit more cautious with how you want to do it, that typically, lowers your top end, but it gives you, uh, you can still win if one of your players misses their projection. Um, I think the top end for a, a three pack like this is 2.25. So it's like roughly, you know, half of whatever you could get for the power play, but you can still miss one and get, um, roughly your money back in a little bit more. So if you're a little, if you're one of those folks, that's a little bit more cautious, that's a good option too, to make sure you win something more or less. Um, but yeah, feel free to use my uh, choices if you like. Um, just make sure if you're going to sign up, if you choose to do that, uh, do, use our promo code DBB, get that hundred percent instant deposit match. And thanks again to prize fix uh, for sponsoring today's show. All right, we're back with Brian Beversluice here on the Dirty Birds and Bruce podcast to break down this Falcons versus Panthers matchup. And I thought we'd start with the injury report. We're recording this Thursday evening. So we do have two days of injuries to monitor here. And I'll start with the Panthers because I think their injury report's a lot more meaningful right now, considering that the Falcons really only have a handful of guys on there. And the Panthers just... At it seems like all of the injuries are concentrated on one position group, and that's the receiving group, which was a little bit sketchy on paper to begin with. I mean, I, I certainly like some of the guys there, but now with 
two of the projected starters not participating on Thursday. What's your level of concern? We'll start with like DJ Shark and Adam Thielen. What's your level of concern, Brian, for those guys' availability this weekend? Well, first things first, I think Adam Thielen was held out on Thursday just as a precautionary measure. I mean, he got a limited practice in on Wednesday. Um, I haven't really heard anything to think that he's not going to play. He just played quite a lot in the last preseason game. So not worried about him. DJ Chark, on the other hand, it seems like based on what the team's reporting, he's kind of 50-50. And that's not good because he's one of the primary uh, separators and speed options. So little concerned about that, but I think Thielen will end up playing. And if both of those guys don't end up playing, then the Panthers are in a lot of trouble. So, Yeah, those are sort of your veteran starters out there. Um, and then, you know, you've also got Terrace Marshall, uh, who's just been limited. So it seems like maybe his status is not in question, just a little bit banged up. And then new addition, Amir Smith-Marset, he's been full. So it seems like he's good to go, but never a good situation when four members, all of the same position group are on the injury report. So uh, hopefully those guys will be able to get healthy. Uh, in terms of the other guys on there, Deshaun Williams, he DNP with an illness on Wednesday, but it looks like he was back to full on Thursday. So not too much concern there. And then I think Sam Franklin Jr. is more of a special teams guy. He's just been limited. Um, any other situations that you guys are monitoring for availability? I mean, we should probably take this time to mention Brian Burns, I guess, because uh, that seems to be the big sort of specter looming over everything. Yeah, Brian Burns is really the only other one. Um, all the guys you mentioned, I wouldn't expect them to not play. Marshall might not get a jersey just because of reasons, but that wouldn't be injury-related. Um, but no, Brian Burns, that's been the talk of the entire week. Uh, he didn't do any kind of holding out over the offseason, um, but all of a sudden now he's doing that, and obviously Nick Bosa just signed his big deal. So... Now there's a little bit of a benchmark with uh, the defensive end slash outside linebacker type deals. So, I I mean, in my gut, I think they will get something worked out before that game because Brian Burns is such a big deal. There is one part of that that you probably don't know as an outside observer that Marquise Haynes, they're another one of their primary edge rushers who kind of also fills the Brian Burns role. He's on IR, so he's not going to play. Uh, he won't play in t for at least four weeks. So that that position group, especially if Brian Burns doesn't play, that means they're missing two of their top four guys, and that's not good. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think Falcons fans probably don't realize that Marquise Haynes was, I think, slated to be a starter, potentially. Um, I know with the Justin Houston signing, maybe he was getting pushed to maybe like the third edge rusher. But um, yeah, certainly not the best situation to be in there. So definitely one to monitor. Uh, with Brian Burns because Brian Burns has been the bane of Caleb McGarry uh, many a week. It hasn't been maybe as crazily uh, tilted towards Brian Burns in the last season, but over time that's been a, a matchup that Carolina has been able to exploit time and time again. So probably won't see Falcons fans shedding any tears if he's not out there, but um, hopefully you guys get that, that worked out because he's such a fun player to watch every single week. I mean, even if they don't get it figured out, I don't think Brian Burns won't play. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think this is kind of a posturing thing for him right now where he's like, I'm serious about getting paid. Um, so my gut tells me he'll play in one, one fashion or, or another, but there's doubt there. So it's until we see the game lineup starting weeks, uh, like on Sunday, there's no guarantee of anything. Okay. Well, 
we will continue to monitor that. That's obviously a major one for the Panthers' defense. Um, on the Falcons' side of things, just one DNP uh, so far, and that's Jeff Akuda, the cornerback that they acquired from the Lions. He does not appear to be slated to play this week. There's optimism that hopefully he can be back in the coming weeks. But, um, you know, scary injury in training camp, um, but not season-ending and hopefully not going to keep him out too much longer. So we'll just continue to monitor that. Uh, the only other person whose status seems to be maybe slightly in question would be Cordero Patterson. He's been limited with a thigh injury the last couple days, but there doesn't seem to be much concern there. The other guy, of course, was Kadero Hodge, their sort of special teams ace wide receiver. He returned to full practice on Thursday, so it seems like he's good to go. And then Johnny Smith, the tight end, he had a rest day on Wednesday and was removed from the injury report today. So it seems like Falcons, uh, thus far, not, uh, not dealing with too much uh, stuff spilling over from the preseason, which is, of course, something always nice to have. We'll see how long that stuff maintains itself because the NFL week one can be pretty brutal. I think we've both experienced that before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. It's always ugly. Yeah. yeah. So fingers crossed for a healthy game for both these teams uh, this weekend. That's always something we hope for. Um, yeah, let's let's transition into a look at how these two teams match up. Obviously, I usually like to look at season-long stats, going into this sort of preview, but it's week one. So we don't have anything to really draw off of. And, you know, with these two teams changing so drastically from last year, I don't even think last year's stats really are, are super meaningful because the Panthers have a completely new scheme on offense, a completely new scheme on defense. The Falcons, so many different pieces, a new quarterback, Bijan Robinson comes in. They've completely changed their defensive line and they have a new defensive coordinator as well. So these two teams can end up looking very, very different than their 2022 finishes. Um, so instead, we'll just, you know, scout this off vibes, right? And we'll look at sort of the, the guys that they've brought in. Um, we'll start with the, the Falcons offense matching up against the Panthers defense. And traditionally, the Panthers defense, I think, has been sort of what's carried them, especially the last couple of years where they've had to deal with, unfortunately, poor quarterback play that really seemed to be what was holding them back because I think overall they were really not that bad in terms of the skill positions and things like that, it just seemed like the quarterback play was always a problem. But on defense, they were always able to keep it together. Last year, there was a bit of a dip there. I know there's some maybe concern about the switch to Ajiro Vero, who was a guy I certainly loved in the process, uh, that, that they're switching to this 3-4 system. Maybe all the pieces aren't quite there to make that full transition. So how do you feel sort of going into week one about where how far along this defense is in that transition process? I genuinely have no idea. Um, it's They didn't do a lot in the preseason to show what the uh, starters are really going to look like. Um, I will say a big change for them is Ajiro Evero's defenses typically have one like primary pass rusher on the edge, which would be Brian Burns or Marquise Haynes, who they may not have either of on Sunday. Um, but the other side is typically more of a, like a run defender, an edge setter. So... That's where Yudergos Matos, like that, a lot of fans who don't know what's going on with the Panthers might look at that and be like, why are they doing that? That That's the reason is because he's going to be an edge an edge setter. DJ Johnson, who they traded for, edge setter. Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson, always, you know, solid linebackers. Frankie Louvu kind of just does everything. So I'm excited to see what he does there. Um, the big move that they made this offseason that I have, I don't, have any idea and this is coming from a former defensive back so i understand that a little better than the other positions is jeremy chin is their nickel corner mm, at yeah, least on their depth yeah. chart and mm. 
I think what they're doing is they're just kind of making him more of a box safety slash nickel slash linebacker. But I have no idea how they're going to deploy him because they didn't really do a whole lot to make it look any different. Um, but that's been the talk of the offseason. Even Jeremy Chin hasn't been able to, or at least hasn't willingly divulged what his role is going to be. So I have no idea what to think. They might come out and look really good. Um, they also might come out and look really bad. I mean, it's Derek Brown, Shy Tuttle, and Deshaun Williams are the starting inside interior defensive linemen. I think that uh, – I think Derek Brown will be fantastic as a, a three, four defensive end. Oh, I yeah. think that he's so good. That's yeah. he's so good. And he's not going to be taking on an offensive center and an offensive guard every single play anymore either. So mm-hmm. that said, I mean, that's, that's the base defense. I still think it's going to, you're going to just see two down linemen, two outside linebackers, nickel type formation all the time. Yeah. But it's very interesting because Ijiro Evero was a really good defensive coordinator for the Broncos. I mean, he made he made a really good defense or at least a very competent defense with what the Broncos had last year, which wasn't a lot, especially since they got rid of Bradley Chubb. So I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like I might be impressed. I might be like, oh, this sucks on Sunday. It's very hard for me to project. Yeah, it's always tough, especially when you're transitioning to a new scheme. Uh, So that could be something that the Falcons have to deal with as well. But yeah, I'm also curious about the chin move because he was a guy at safety that I think everyone sort of thought like, oh, this is a really good safety. Um, But I'm curious to see how that goes. I mean, I I, I don't know. Has he slimmed down or anything like that for the transition? Or they just sort of, like you said, making him more of that like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson box safety slot hybrid? His best year in his career was his rookie season, and they literally played him at linebacker most of it. So that's kind of what they're going back to now, it seems like. Um, He's just not the best back-end, you know, cover person. That's just not what he was good for. In his rookie season, I specifically remember there was a time where he he went and chased down Jimmy Graham and smacked the ball out of his hands, Mm -hmm. and that was when he was a rookie. So, I mean, I think he's going to be – more effective playing closer to the line of scrimmage where he's not, you know, covering the back end of the defense being the last line of defense. I think he can be a little more aggressive and he was always a great blitzer, great tackler. So having him as like a pseudo linebacker makes sense to me. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just the question of how does he match up against slot wide receivers, which probably not something that you're going to have to deal with too much against the Falcons who are going to lean a lot on multiple tight end sets on multiple running back sets and he could potentially be a factor there if Pitts is lined up as a slot player or the Falcons motion more guys out there or, you know, Cordero Patterson with his new Joker position, whatever that is. I definitely think they're having fun with that bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's the big thing that is different from when the Falcons last played the Panthers is J.C. Horn is healthy, um, and hopefully he stays that way. Uh, so it that that's a big boost to the Panthers secondary that they didn't have the last two te- times these teams played. The Falcons do have some new faces. Otherwise they brought in Matt Collins to be their wide receiver too. Who's another big wide receiver. Uh, they also brought in, of course, John Smith to be their complimentary tight end to Kyle Pitts, who might play more on the outside now. Um, and then of course the question of just how good is B. John Robinson, because we've only seen him carry the ball a handful of times in the preseason. We have no idea, but he's kind of a giant wild card. Um, so how how do you feel about the Panthers' ability to match up first with the Falcons' sort of wide receiving core? It's still Drake London, 
who had a good rookie season, not a great one, but definitely started to come alive once Desmond Ritter got on the field. And then a new addition in like Mac Hollins, who again, sort of a wild card, had a good year with the Raiders, but has been quiet otherwise throughout his career. Well, the Falcons unfortunately have to deal with the fact that the Panthers secondary is completely healthy, which probably, which over the last few years is not usually the case. Um, So JC Horn is an interesting case study because Last year, J.C. Horn and J.C. Horn kind of like shadowed Kyle Pitts and kind mm-hmm. of just worked against him. And that's something that happened in college as well. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's going to happen this time because of obviously Jeremy Chin being in the middle, um, but also Drake London. So I said in my defensive preview this week that Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn are going to have their hands full working with those two. So I don't know how they're going to defend them. I would think that it makes sense to have JC Horn kind of shadow Kyle Pitts, but I just don't know if they will with Jeremy Chin there. Um, Drake London, that's going to be a tough matchup regardless. Uh, Dante Jackson is back, but he is also coming off an Achilles tear. And so that's going to be tough. Beyond that, it's just a matter of stopping the run. I mean, yeah. and I don't know if they're going to be able to do it or not. I, especially if Brian Burns isn't around, they're going to have to be really creative with their fronts. They're going to be really creative with their uh, blitzes. So we'll see, but I, my gut is telling me that the Falcons are going to have a pretty good rushing day against them. Um, it's gonna, I think the difference is going to be how the secondary holds up against Pitts and Drake London. Those are the two guys that I called out as the, the, the difference makers and one of the two, one of the three things that needs to go well for the Panthers to win. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Panthers secondary is probably their strongest part at this stage because they're all healthy and these guys for the most part have experience playing together so I think it'll be easier for them to gel into this new scheme than these newer pieces on the defensive line but um again you said it like I think Frankie Louvu and Shaq Thompson are both very good run defending linebackers and they do have Derek Brown who's just sort of a one-man wrecking crew the questions I think come elsewhere in terms of those guys ability to defend the run I mean I think Yeter Gross Matos probably a better run defender than pass rusher, but he wasn't particularly great at either last year. So it's kind of hard to say. And then, like you said, Marquise Haynes out as well. So, you know, we'll see Justin Houston, I think definitely gives them a third option there that is going to help their depth. But um, that I think is going to be one of the keys to this game is how, you know, number one, how good is Bijan? How good does this Falcons rushing attack? How big of a boost does this rushing attack, which was, you know, number three in the NFL last year without Bijan, does it become number one and be this true juggernaut that really will just take advantage of teams that can't stop it? Or is it a little bit of a slower start? That's definitely one of the keys of the game. And I think we'll probably learn a lot about both teams uh, from this game, like how good the Panthers going to be against the run and just how good can the Falcons rushing attack be? And then it's anyone's guess about the Falcons passing game because there's so many question marks with Ritter and everything else going on that we just don't know. Uh, the offensive line's good. That's about all we know about the Falcons passing game is that hopefully these guys are probably better than last year with a, a better left guard in there in rookie Matthew Bergeron, who will certainly have his hands full, like we said, against Derek Brown, uh, who I just hope that he does better than Jalen Mayfield. Uh, pour one out for Jalen Mayfield, folks, but... Um, (laughs) but yeah, let's, let's switch sides, uh, to the Panthers offense against the Falcons defense. And again, it's sort of a similar idea, right? It's a new look Falcons defense and a new look Panthers offense. Um, let's start with Bryce Young. I mean, pretty sharp statistically in the preseason. Again, didn't see a lot. The big concern was that he was getting clobbered back there. Uh, and that's definitely not something you want to see for any rookie quarterback or any quarterback at all, but particularly for a guy like Bryce Young, who with the size concerns, I mean, me personally, 
I had Bryce Young QB1. I wasn't too concerned about it, but you certainly don't want him getting smashed every single week. Uh, so first of all, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about what you've seen from Bryce Young so far? Bryce Young is 100% as advertised. He's actually the... Granted, I've only really watched Cam Newton and Jimmy Clausen as in my time as a as a Panthers pseudo coverage person, but Bryce Young came out and immediately I was like, okay, I see it like a hundred percent. He has he has such poise in the pocket. Um, he throws the ball extremely well. He he throws people open, which is something I was not expecting. Like year one, he was to, his only touchdown of the preseason. He threw Adam Thielen open because Thielen is not the player he used to be. In fact, J.T. O'Sullivan was roasting him on his uh, quarterback uh, YouTube channel for being so slow. And my biggest concern for him is mainly the fact that the receivers need to be able to get separation. Um, not having DJ Chark potentially on Sunday will be a big factor in that. Um, but overall, I mean, you just look at Bryce Young play and you think he's been in the league already for at least three years. It's just crazy. It's very insane. Um, offensive line wise, uh, I'm a, Ike McQuanu was really the one that really concerned a lot of people. Um, they were shuffling in tons of different starters uh, or uh, tons of different players on the starting line on the interior. But Aquanu had a bit of a struggle. That said, earlier last year, he had his struggles as well. And then he, he turned it on and was a little bit better. Um, a lot better, I should say. So overall, having a returning, mostly returning offensive line with starters is going to be good. Chandler Zavala, their fourth round pick from this year, is going to end up starting at right guard. Um so overall, it's just going to come down to, number one, how does Miles Sanders run behind this line? Because we haven't seen it at all. That He didn't run at all in the preseason. And uh, number two, what are they going to do play calling-wise to assist with the whole separation issue? Because I know they didn't, they didn't do anything that really helped out with separation problems in the preseason because they don't want to give that away. So it's, it's going to be interesting. But overall, Bryce Young, extremely happy with the pick. I haven't really seen a rookie quarterback in quite a while that looked that good right away, at least in the preseason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's as advertised and he's what you hope for when you trade those picks to get him. And, you know, I certainly, you know, every, unless he's playing the Falcons, I, I, you know, I wish the best for Bryce Young. Cause I thought people were kind of overrating the size concerns, but again, he's a guy that needs that offensive line to keep him upright. So we'll see how that develops. Um, yeah, Chino Zavala, another guy, was a big fan of coming out of the draft. Uh, I thought the Falcons would have interest because Dwayne Ledford, the Falcons offensive line coach, coached him, I believe, early in his college career. Um, so definitely could have seen the Falcons making him one of their picks, but Falcons end up targeting that position a little bit earlier, um, and the Panthers end up with Zavala, who I think is a pretty good player. Um, let's talk about the run game because it, it actually ended up being a real strength for Carolina, especially towards the end of the season with Deontay Foreman. I was extremely puzzled that they let Foreman walk for the contract he got and went with Miles Sanders, who I don't think is a bad player. I think he's kind of an average running back who benefited a lot from Philly's O-line, and I'm sure you've heard that a bunch. So I I, I don't want to color your opinions with my you know pessimism. What, what do you think about the decision to move on from Foreman and to go with Miles Sanders instead? I think the issue was that Foreman wasn't going to get the starting role in Carolina that because that's what he always that's what he probably deserves is to go get an option to be a starter and then Chicago picked him up and now he's not going to be a starter there um <laughs> yeah it's Miles Sanders makes a lot of sense I mean if you think about it Frank Reich former Eagles coach coached him for a little bit um 
Deuce Staley, obviously another former Eagles coach. So I think really what it comes down to is what does Miles Sanders do that this offense wants him to do? And I can't tell you what that is because I haven't really seen that. (laughs) Um, But as far as the offensive line goes for him, I mean, yeah, it was very strong. Missing Austin Corbett as their right guard, because I think that I think that finally, once they had Bradley Bozeman, who was a strong run blocking center and Austin Corbett working together in that inside on the right side, combined with Taylor Moten, who's always been a strong run blocker, was really what was the catalyst there. Um, So I'm not sure what's going to what the offensive line is going to look like with Zavala playing at the right guard position, but he was always a strong run, strong run blocker, too. He just played at left guard right alongside Akin McQuanu in college. So right now it's I'm kind of just I don't know what to think of Miles Sanders. All I know is that they clearly targeted him because they gave him not the worst quarterback or not the worst contract for a running back, but they they paid him well. They paid him a lot. lot Yeah. I mean, I mean, relatively speaking in this depressed running back market. So, right. Yeah. Like his contract probably contributed to a bunch of these running backs not getting paid what they feel like they they should. Because, I mean, I think he's still only averaging like like seven to eight million, six, seven to eight million, which is not terrible for a running back. I think that's fair. But Mm -hmm. he is going to be the three down back. And I guess we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see. Yeah, that that was that was one of the more puzzling moves. I liked so much of what the Panthers did this offseason. I mean, I've always been a big Adam Thielen fan. I, I think the decision to kind of bring him in to be like a primary pass catcher at this point, maybe not so good, but I love Jonathan Mingo. Uh, I think you guys swiped Mingo. Uh, the Falcons, I think we're, we're certainly interested in him. Um, and then DJ Shark, if he's healthy, he's great. So, you know, yeah. th- unfortunately, that's not starting off as, as good as we could hope. But um, I mentioned the receivers. Let's talk about the receivers before we talk about the Falcons defense. Um, Jonathan Mingo, obviously a headliner and probably going to have to start right away because of the aforementioned injuries. Thielen looks like he's going to be the primary slot guy, probably going to be the guy that's going to lead the team in targets. DJ Shark seems like the one that's most questionable in terms of whether he'll play. So how do you feel about the Mingo Thielen pairing out there? And then who do you think is going to be the other guy uh, if Shark isn't on the field? So Thielen definitely, at least in the preseason games, showed as, as Bryce Young's favorite target. Why that is, I don't know. Um, Reliable. But, I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. And, you know, guys like, for example, and I know he's white, but Julian Edelman <laughs> or like Wes Welker, for example, um, they all kind of like stretched their careers out by having a really good rapport with their quarterbacks. And I think that's kind of where Adam Thielen's going to fall is that he is that Bryce Young's going to throw him open a lot. They did a lot of that in the preseason, which I was shocked by, like for a, a rookie quarterback to do that is really good. Um, Chark actually had a really good uh, Chark was someone where Bryce Young was hitting him deep, like every practice in the preseason, but he didn't play a ton against the, uh, like in the actual preseason games. Mingo is also another one where I loved the pick. In fact, Steve Smith endorsed it. Um, So I love it, but we didn't see a lot of that in the preseason. He had a couple of nice catches, but there was also a couple of times where he wasn't on on the same page as Bryce Young. So that could be, there could be some growing pains there, but I mean, they, they, they put out their first depth chart with, with uh, Jonathan Mingo as one of the, the co-starters, one of the top three over Harris Marshall, which I thought was very telling because typically, as you've probably seen, usually those rookie quarterbacks or excuse me, rookie players don't typically get 
they're not typically listed as starters right away because they got to earn it. You know, that's that's what always has to happen. So I think Mingo will be very involved. And he and Bryce reportedly had a lot of rapport in the uh, offseason. It's just one of those things where we got to see it on game tape. Yeah. So do you, the in terms of the third guy, I'm sorry. Maybe I. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. No, it's OK. I, I was like, wait, did I just space out and not hear that? <laughs> but yeah. Who would it be? Do you think? I mean, if Shark had to miss the game. Oh, if Chark had to miss, it's going to be between Terrace Marshall and uh, their new acquisition, um, Amir Smith-Marset, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my guys yeah. from you know, several drafts ago, so maybe he can prove me right finally. I mean, he <laughs> had one of the best preseasons out there. I, It's one of the – it's very interesting that they I, – I was I was very surprised they went out and got him because they, they didn't have to give him much for him. They, they just swapped seventh-round picks with the Chiefs. But, yeah, if, if for some reason um, – if for some reason he's not active, then they're going to have Smith Marset out there. So it'll be interesting. I, I would say, I mean, obviously Hayden Hurst, their tight end, their big tight end acquisition is going to be one of those guys as well. Security yeah, blanket yeah. for Bryce Young. Notoriously, rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends that can catch. So I would say top three as far as just yeah, targets, targets. is going to mm-hmm. be somewhere between Thielen, Mingo, Hurst, and then wherever they – they fall as far as the game plan goes with the rest of those guys. Yeah, Hayden Hurst revenge game. So that Oh, that, that's true. Yeah. I forgot he played for you guys. <laughs> it was a long time ago now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Dimitrov made one of the best trades of all time, moving Mohamed Sanu for a second round pick. And then probably made one of the worst trades of all time, trading that same pick for Hayden Hurst. So uh easy come, easy go, I guess. But uh, yeah. you know, he can't hurt us anymore, everyone. He can't. So not um, yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. It, it, don't speak too soon. Yep. So, um, yeah, so on the Falcons side of things, uh, a lot of new faces. Obviously, they sort of made this the offseason of the defensive overhaul. Uh, they brought in Calais Campbell to be one of their edge rushers. He's going to play primarily on the edge. Um, they also brought in David Onyemata to finally give Grady Jarrett a running mate on the interior that he hasn't had ever. Maybe, maybe Dontari Poe, like, five years ago, but... Um, also brought in Bud Dupree to give them some depth on the edge. We got Caden Ellis coming in at linebacker, the aforementioned uh, Jeff Akuda, who's probably not going to play. But uh, And then, of course, Jesse Bates, the third, to be their sort of single high safety to allow for this sort of aggressive style that Ryan Nielsen wants to play up front with these blitzes and stuff like that. Um, from an, you know, an outside perspective, what do you think about the, the Falcons' defensive line overhaul? Is that a unit that actually gives you some pause now, or do you need to see it before you believe that the Falcons can actually do anything up front? It's a little bit of both. I mean, on paper, on paper, I see it, but also, you know, like there was the 2019 Panthers where their defensive line on paper was really good. And they had like a solid stretch where they were like on pace to break the sack record by an NFL team where then all of a sudden they fell off the map. So I do want to see it. That said, I could really see the, Falcons defensive line giving the Panthers a ton of problems on Sunday because they didn't run the ball well in the preseason and we can talk about passing off passing plays and whatnot in the preseason that that obviously makes sense but running the ball is running the ball so if you're not running the ball well in the preseason that might be a red flag so we'll see (laughs) yeah it's it's certainly a concern it's been one of the points of emphasis for Ryan Nielsen from his Saints days, you know, the Saints always known for having that really good run defense and the guys that the Falcons brought in up front and 
behind them, all really good run defenders. Caden Ellis, one of the NFL's best run defending linebackers. Calais Campbell, arguably the NFL's best run defending edge rusher uh, for the last several years. Obviously, maybe not the the 10-plus sack guy he used to be, but still really good there. And then it's just sort of wait and see on some of these young players the Falcons have. Um, you know, with the secondary, obviously, we've got Jesse Bates coming in, which is a huge boost. Um, and then AJ Terrell's still there, but then it's all new faces for the most part. D. Alford, the CFL player they added last year, has actually won the slot corner job and looked pretty good in the preseason for what that's worth. And then it's not going to be Jeff Akuda, it seems like. So we could see, I guess, Mike Hughes. We could see Trey Flowers, who's that was the guy it was in the preseason, who I think is more of a tight end matchup guy, but they might be sort of forced to put him out there. Maybe rookie Clark Phillips, it would be a surprise, but he looked good in the preseason. Maybe he gets a shot. What do you think about? It is a, a little bit of a, you know, uh, what's what's a good word? Like a little bit of a reduced receiver core right now for the Panthers. But how do you feel about those guys' ability to match up with the Atlanta's sort of new look secondary? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where they have some good players. In fact, is Mike Hughes the former first-round pick? Is that the right? Yeah, UCF legend. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um. So overall, I mean, it. I think it could just be ugly in general for both sides, just because the Panthers struggled to get separation, even against Detroit lions, like third string people at times. So, you know, it's going to be tough. I think that the difference makers are going to be guys like LaVisca Chenault. And if they end up playing their new newly acquired wide receiver from the chiefs, then that might help just because you'll have some speed on the field. That'll help get you some yards. But Overall, I mean, I like what the what the Falcons have done with their secondary. I mean, you know, you can't you can't make Roman one day, but they've added quite a bit of talent. So, I guess we'll yeah. see what happens. But overall, I mean, I could see it just being a very run heavy game, honestly. Yeah, on, overall, on right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and that, I feel the same way, kind of about how you probably feel about the Panthers' defense, where it's like I just don't know how quickly this is going to come together. Like in theory, we've upgraded our coaching and we've upgraded our roster but how quickly does that translate into actual improvement on the field and it's anyone's guess at this point uh how that yeah. how that ends up turning out yeah i mean i i've been saying this for a bit now but now that they only have three preseason games it seems like the first two weeks are always just ugly just yeah teams accl- acclimating getting the rosters ready you know so yeah we'll it's- see We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, we'll get close to our to wrapping up here with our sort of what what do you think the keys for a Panthers win on Sunday would be? I know you just, like you said, finished your your game preview piece. So what what would you say are the things the Panthers need to do to win this game on Sunday? He's going to be on offense. Bryce Young. Bryce Young needs to play well and he needs to be protected. That's ultimately what's going to come down to, because I know if the passing game is going to if if the passing game struggles at all, then the Falcons are going to be playing press and just getting after them running the ball. So they're going to have to protect Bryce Young and they're going to have to, and he's going to have to make some throws. It's just it is what it is. Like if if they can't do that, then the Falcons key in on the run, Miles Sanders struggles, offense sucks. So, as far as defense goes, like I was saying, Jeremy Chin, JC Horn, they need to come out and play. If Bryce if excuse me, if Brian Burns can't play, they're going to have to get real creative when it comes to blitzing, like Frankie Louvu, Shaq Thompson coming off the edges, coming off in the middle to get some pass rush on Desmond Ritter. Because if they can't do that, then it's not going to go well. And yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, 
that also goes hand in hand with uh, trying to stop B. John Robinson. So if B. John Robinson's, you know, taken off, they get their average in 4.3 yards per carry, for example, that's going to be a problem just because then it gives the Falcons a chance to open up the big playbook for Ritter. And overall, overall, it's just a matter of just people doing their jobs, really. Yeah, no, very fair. Um, and I'd, I'd say it's, it's kind of a similar idea for the Falcons. The Falcons need to win up front. I think that's sort of their their ethos. This whole offseason has been, let's we need to win the trenches, which is basically the opposite of how Thomas Dimitrov did things. Um, and, you know, I think this is... The offensive game plan, probably not going to change that much from last year, other than that I think they're going to pass a bit more. You know, probably about 10% more passing this year. Uh, but there's this is going to be a team that's still going to force you to stop the run first. Um, and so, obviously establishing that run game and, and really letting that go um, is going to be big for them. Protecting the quarterback, obviously big on offense and, and actually hitting some big plays, which they did so rarely last year would be, would be nice. And then on defense, the same thing, win up front, make Bryce young uncomfortable and, and stop the run. And I think uh, if they do that, the Falcons have a great chance in this one too. So pretty similar for both sides, I think in terms of the keys. So. Yeah. I mean, it's the Panthers receivers just aren't that great. Like regardless of, how things go it's gonna all come down to Bryce Young so I think the Falcons have a plus matchup in that regard in the secondary so I don't know could be ugly might not be we'll see yeah <laughs> might be one of those games where both teams just try to throw the ball as little as possible and just try to grind it out on the ground so um kind of like the Falcons in that situation too honestly but uh we'll have to see we'll have to see but on that note what, what's your prediction Brian uh, at this point for for how things shake out in week one I, I, my gut tells me that they'll figure things out with Brian Burns, but in the event they don't, I'll make my prediction based on that. So I would give it, let's say 24 to 17 Falcons. <laughs> it's my exact same prediction. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I was going to say 24, 17. I think Brian Burns is a big wild card because he's such a good player. Um, but I do think the Falcons are just a little bit ahead of where the Panthers are in week one. Um, but I think the next time these teams play, we'll probably have a pretty different opinion because I think both teams will be more established. Uh, and I, I certainly don't think any Falcons fans should be looking past this Panthers game. Um, I know some people, I think we're getting maybe too invested in the Panthers kind of struggled preseason. It's preseason folks. It's not that important. So this is the important game. So um, yeah, I, I do think it'll be within one score and both of us will probably be very sweaty at the end of the game as usual. Uh, Cause that's just how these teams play each other for the most part. And for all we know, and it's funny because the Falcons almost always Falcons Panthers, I should say, almost always goes a completely different direction from what we prepare from what we're prepared for. So I could also see it being like a 45 to 38 game. <laughs> yeah. Some just wild because, just yeah. because, yeah, like Bryce Young goes off and Desmond Ritter goes off and the most know, unlikely. That too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's Falcons Panthers. It's always yes. chaos. Vegas would explode. I think the over under for this game is like 38. So they're just expecting no points. Uh, and then it, and then we get like a 70 point drop. That would be perfect. Uh, yeah, definitely I mean, be entertaining. Go, yeah. You and I could go bet could go bet on that right now and probably make some easy money just because it's. Yeah, it's just the funny thing about that about that rivalry is that there's always it never goes according to plan. It really doesn't like. Yeah. It's so, Always it's chaos. so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Very chaotic matchup. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to kicking this season off. Brian, once again, thank you so much for coming on, guys. He is Brian Beversluice at Cat Scratch Reader. His Twitter handle is not what's listed here. It's at Brian B. 
CSR. Brian, anything you guys are working on, anything you're working on over at Cat Scratcher, you'd like to let the people know about? Oh, just always join us for the Keep Sounding podcast. We typically like to have uh, Falcons guests on when we do the podcast. We didn't end up doing it this week just because it's me and my co-host and he couldn't do it. But come listen to us be mad about the Panthers. That's usually what we do. So, yeah, and no, it's very familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's <laughs> well, all we got. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes that's all you got is uh, anger. So we'll hope that both of us can have a, a less angry season this year. Cause I think you guys, the Panthers, you, you got some hope now. I think you have a much better staff. I think you've got a young, exciting quarterback, even if things don't go great this year, which I don't think they're going to go great in the win column. I think it's going to be a better team and you'll feel a lot better going into next year. Kind of the Panthers kind of remind me like of the Falcons, like a year ago where it's sort of like, you can tell the ship is being righted, but it's kind of hard to, predict too much good stuff happening but i think you'll be in a good place uh, at the end of this season and it's it's funny because i think the panthers and the falcons are kind of going up and the saints and the bucks are going down so maybe this is going to be the new rivalry that emerges uh next year and, and going forward uh because those other two teams they've made all the wrong decisions this offseason i'll say that so. <laughs> i would i would agree i mean the buck the bucks are just you know recovering from the tom brady era the Saints, once again, are continuing to go for broke, and that's yep. just what they do. Um, I will leave your Falcons fans with one last little bit that might make you feel good. I Last year, I remember uh, talking about the picks for the just picking, you know, teams winning or whatever. And somebody asked me, they were like, why did you pick the Falcons? I'm like, because I think they're going to be the scrappy team that nobody likes to play. <laughs> and I was exactly right. And I, that's all they've done is continue to build on that. So. Hopefully the Panthers are that, but yeah, I'm very yeah. much impressed with what the Falcons have done over the last two years because it's not easy to build a roster as talented as they have over that time. Is it going to come together? I don't know. But looking at it on paper, it's it's not bad. It's a great starting place. So Yeah, yeah. It, it's exciting so far. So, you know, we'll see how that translates into actual winning football. But again, Brian, thanks so much for coming on, giving us your insights, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. The site is thefalcoholic.com. This is the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. You can check us out uh, on our next show. We'll be back for our live post game on Sunday, recapping what's hopefully an exciting injury-free game here. Uh, we'll be back then, so we'll see you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Until next time, guys, have a great day.